1: 855 kilohertz on your AM dial. I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which 3CR transmits people-powered radio. And each week on the Living Free Show, we showcase one of the recovery programs that assist those suffering directly or indirectly from addiction to drugs, alcohol, gambling and food. Our guests share the recovery story and highlight that shared experience saves lives. This week is a replay of one of Jude's shows that was originally broadcast on the sixteenth of February twenty seventeen. I hope you'll enjoy this slice of Living Free Show history.
0: Ah uh, Living Free Show, hi. Today I'm absolutely delighted to have in the studio Rishi. Hi Rishi. Hi. And I got Annie. Hi. That's a good hi. <laughs> and I got Bill. Hi. hi Bill. So Rishi and Annie, um you guys are in recovery from what drugs are you in recovery from? Uh, I'm
2: in recovery from the the latest one is um yeah ice use yep
0: yeah what were the other ones
2: oh I've, I've done a bit of smack lots of benzos
0: and lots of alcohol in in my life yeah. fun times and Annie what's your drug
3: of what was your drug of choice um look I've I'm similar I've done pretty much everything but I guess the two that seem to be my undoing most of the time is ice and alcohol okay yeah. we'll come back to all those. And Bill, you present on the show as well, and
0: you're with with uh, Alanon.
1: Yep, Alanon Family Groups. Yep.
0: So you you are all about the relationships between families and friends of um, of alcoholics. Yeah. And I'm like really keen to start talking a little bit about the, this later in the show and how it might relate to addiction as well.
1: Thank you.
0: Okay, everyone's here. That was quite a kerfuffle. I had to sprint in sandals, and we all <laughs> know how hard that is, and they don't fit that well. It was all a bit all a bit of a struggle. Um, So uh, the first thing I wanted to ask you guys, um, Annie and Rishi and Bill, is a little bit about – so I I always like to colour in a bit of addiction at the start of the show because there'll be people listening in going – no one talks about addiction from the perspective of the addict. What, what does that even mean? What's that even like? And the other thing is when I was getting clean and sober, I was like, okay, so people who don't drink and drug live on a pink cloud and everything's perfect all the time and they're really boring and they're not like me. So I guess I like to color that in a bit and give that that whole idea a bit of light and shade. So, um, Rishi, what what would you say is, is are the big challenges for you in, in keeping clean at the moment? Um. Uh, definitely,
2: love recovery is, is a is a massive challenge. Oh, um, that four letter word. Yeah, yeah, that one. Mm. Um, and and managing my life in terms of organisation and um, you know I'm, I'm I'm working three jobs. I've, I've, I've got my my son um, in my care, and um, I'm trying to stay okay in amongst all that so that yeah. sounds
0: incredibly tough do you have full-time custody of your son
2: yeah I do so um th- that's something that that my addiction undid for me yeah. um and he, he's but he's been returned home so that's pretty cool Mate, yeah that's yeah. great
0: yeah yeah we, we hear a lot of people getting their kids back as a big marker of getting well yeah you know when the people around us start to trust us yeah 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 and how on earth do you manage that level of stress? Because that's a level of stress that I know a lot of people who aren't addicts in recovery and they would struggle. Um, well,
2: the way I manage that is that I, I really um, invest in self-care. So um, I really do things that nurture my soul, and um, and that is, you know, I, I hit the I hit the mat um, regularly. So um, I do a lot of Bikram yoga. Um, I stay connected with um, with program. I, um, am in therapy and, you know, I, I I look after myself, you know?
0: Yeah. I like, I like your whole hit it with everything you've got strategy. Yeah. And I think that's, that's been a massive part of it for me has been, there's, there's been all these parts to recovery and they've all got to work together. Yeah, totally.
2: And, you know, and all of them have to, they all have to be working at the same time. And if I sort of drop one of them, that's when I notice that my stress heightens and, um, and then I'm not okay and you know um, sort of this week I sort of let someone really toxic back into my life and and that brought me undone so in terms of not a relapse or anything but just Definitely. makes the stress look really
0: really really difficult you know um, but yeah look I like it and I wanted to come back to that in a minute but first I was going to move to Annie and go what are your biggest challenges you're you're on drug replacement currently
3: I am and um, look I've had several attempts at recovery in the past over many years and this is the first time I've actually been put on a drug replacement and um, what's difficult about it is is that I don't really have anyone to speak to about it, very few You're um, the
0: first person I've met who's been on drug replacement for yeah. ice Plenty of people for heroin
3: That's right You it know seems... and people
0: at rehabs are always talking about, about those heroin replacement things but I hadn't heard anyone Yeah. So what drug are you on? Um, currently,
3: I'm on uh,
0: dexamphetamine, so. I've heard um, people talk about that as if it's the saviour drug that will get the whole world off ice. Uh,
3: look, I'm not sure yet, as <laughs> this is only my first experience with it, and I'm yeah. still in the process of getting the dosage and the right, the, the correct medication for oh, me. Um, that sounds painful. So I'm not sure whether I can, you know, sort of promote it or. Or not, but I can mate, certainly you're the only my person we've
0: ever had on the show that's been able to even tell us it exists. So
3: you're you're a step ahead. It was the first I'd heard about <laughs> it. It was actually a rehab facility. Um, yeah. A psychiatrist at a rehab facility that um, suggested I start using it. And um,
0: mate, I'm going to go out and a limb and say you're looking really well. <laughs>
3: That's that's interesting I just want to that.
0: bust a whole lot of... I reckon, you know, we're in an audio medium and I reckon there may be some listeners going out with a p- visual picture of what somebody on drug replacement might be looking like. Right. And I'd just like you to, like, throw that picture out, put in a bit of shampoo commercial, um, <laughs> supermodel, and, you know, oh, so... Well,
3: thank you, but... And um, I guess I,
0: part of it is going, yeah, the stereotypes are wrong,
3: but, yeah. You're right. You're right. The stereotypes certainly are wrong. Um, but I do feel it's really interesting that you say I look well because I guess that's one of the big downfalls about being on this replacement. I don't feel yep. well physically. Yep. I'm aware that I still have a great deal of amphetamines in my system every day. Yep. So the sheer exhaustion is still there. Are you sleeping? Um, the sleeping is okay because mm-hmm. I am I am simply exhausted, but uh, I have vocal tics that I uh, are uncontrollable. Um, I still have that really scary scattered mind quite often so it's like all the side effects of amphetamine use are still hanging around but I also have the benefit of it gives me that little bit more energy to get out of bed and do recovery to get to whatever it is my program entails. Wow okay I would
0: really like to come back to that as well to me this is fascinating and I've been bouncing around for a fortnight (laughs) going I've got someone on an ice drug replacement coming in like whoa that's um that's that's a bit of a new thing and it's um, I don't know, it's interesting to put things in context and go, well where where does everything fit? So I was just going to talk to you uh, for a moment, Bill, about so you're in a group that deals with relationships with alcoholics and the yep. family and friends who are all affected by alcoholism yep. when they're not alcoholic themselves uh,
1: Yeah, so well, We can be alcoholic yeah, ourselves but yeah. Well, yes, I'm say Alarond is open to alcoholics and families of alcoholics because it's families and friends and I'm sure there's an alcoholic as a friend who's an alcoholic, so yeah, it's like that. But um, yeah, my dad was an alcoholic, and growing up in an alcoholic family is not is not the greatest introduction to life that one would look for. But once you understand a bit about alcoholism, how it affects the family um, and how it messes up all, all our relationships, um and learning that it's a disease, and it's, it's probably underlain by, you know, some mef- mental illness issues as well. I'm saying alcohol, alcoholics typically drink to to make themselves feel better, so they're not feeling great at the start. Um, and dealing with people who are, you know, drunk or Abusive um, is you know is pretty terrible for families having to cope with that.
0: And I'm just going to replace that and say dealing with people who are on ice and abusive. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so
1: families families have Mm. a hard time. The addict or the alcoholic has a hard time. The families have a hard time, and trying to bring those two together so that Mm. they're not creating more problems for each other. I think is is really the the big issue that I found. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, this is really similar to the breakup of icebergs. I've been you know looking at the how, how a lot of ice is melting and how when the ice starts melting, it, it melts more quickly because you get icebergs sitting around which all jostle into one another and then they all break one another and create these big cracks and then other bits fall off. And the minute you yeah. said that about the families and the and the addicts and the alcoholics and the, how the interactions are a huge part of the problem, yeah, uh, sort of brought to mind that visual picture. So to to ask you the same question, what is hard currently for you? What's your biggest challenge about um, living with, uh, with with your stuff?
1: Um, well, I guess, yeah. Uh, coming to Alan, you, you find that your you, you have to acknowledge that my my life was a problem. I was adding to the problems. My dad's drinking was a problem, but it wasn't a problem to him. It was it was more of a problem to me.
0: Okay, what and does that, that mean?
1: Uh, well, he didn't suffer the consequences of his drinking, so um, because the family sort of propped him up and kept him going, and I think that's the same sort of situation that occurs in other addictions, that the family have this tendency yeah. to, to try and save the alcoholic or the, the, um, the drug addict from themselves, mm-hmm. and enable them to continue drinking. And if you look back on it, you're actually just keeping them in that place for longer, which okay, is very tragic. Okay, so trying to up
0: an alcoholic, how's that a problem for you? Uh,
1: well, we continue to get the abuse and the the behaviour and the bouncing checks. and.
0: But that's all stuff that's coming at you from the alcoholic. What of living with that behaviour is difficult for you?
1: Uh, well, I'm going to say, just, just growing up, there's, there's no trust. Every Everybody's, uh, there's no honesty. Um, you grow up in a situation where you... You can't say anything from the heart because it'll be used against you, Um, and yeah, it's not a very nice situation. And you're always trying to minimise. You know, you don't want to. You don't want to be seen as. You don't want to be seen really, so you sort of hide a lot. You Mm. try and people please, and so you you just the cloak
0: of invisibility. Well, Mm.
1: it's it's the ism without the the drinking or the Mm. the drugging really. So you you have the same problem because you're dealing with people who have problems. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. Well, I'm going to jump to a song and we'll come back and um, break a bit of that apart. I notice
4: you won't come into the house.
0: Sure with Red Roses.
3: Kofiyas are Palestinian scarves and they're a symbol of support for justice for the Palestinian
2: people. Buying one will support the last remaining factory in Hebron that makes kafirs, and all proceeds from the sales support projects in Palestine, especially Gaza, as well as local solidarity organisations. From the traditional black and white kofiyas, to an array of modern designs. All scarves are just $30 each. Explore the range and order online or drop by 3CR during business hours. Wear your support for the rights of Palestinians. Go to kufiyas.org.au That's k-u-f-i-y-a-s.org.au. A 3CR supporter.
3: will not negotiate with my state of government or anyone on on our culture, on on our land. You know, if people say, oh, you're going to finish up with nothing, well then so be it. But at least our hearts will tell us that we did not sell out our country and our culture and heritage for a few skungy dollars.
0: Subscribe to 3CR so that your dollars support Indigenous voices and the struggle for land justice. For Aboriginal people, the greatest grief of all is seeing the country destroyed. And somewhere along the line, we have to realise that we don't actually have the right to do that. That nothing we've ever done has given us the right to do that. Now, you know where
2: I stand on this, because I'm so simple-minded. I think we've just got to admit that this is
1: an Aboriginal country. Just do it.
0: You're with the Living Free Show. We're talking about drug and alcohol addiction recovery and families and friends and enabling. Okay, so I'm just interested because I was going to come back to you, Rishi, because you were talking about love being the biggest problem. And then we were talking to Bill about relationships being really difficult. Mm-hmm. And I was a bit like, hmm, I think there's a bit of synergy here. And and also um, when Bill was talking about how families and friends tend to enable addicts and alcoholics and prop us up so we never meet the consequences of our own stuff, um, you guys were both like, mm-hmm. <laughs> So I was going to ask you a little bit about, did you have any experience with people propping you up or, or with the relationships being really difficult? Um, not so much propping me up,
2: um, but I, I lost a relationship that was really, really, really dear to me. And um, I'm still struggling with that as we speak. I think that what actually happened was I just wasn't seeing my my behaviour and how it was affecting other people and, and that. The choices I was making and I was really needy and really not in an okay space and you know the other person was not that okay either so couldn't couldn't provide me the support that I needed um so my behaviors then pushed that person away
0: what sort of behaviors were these were these sort of needy ones or just to like oh, just using, to most painful you know, possible u-
2: using
0: here? being abusive into
2: emotionally abusive I've got this thing where I know what I want in my head, but what I say doesn't follow. So I'll say, "Oh, I need you. You need to go away," but it's actually, "Please stay." That is not just addicts. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: no, and you know, and that pushed this person away from me and made things really, really toxic and made things really difficult for them and I and our and our relationship just became extremely toxic and um. And then you know I'd lost them, and then I could I could I haven't been able to get that back, and and that's mm-hmm. and that's been really difficult. And then you know relationships. So that with, sort of loss and grief side of love can really Oh, yeah really like, unravel you. Yeah yeah mm-hmm. it can you know it it um it resulted in 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 me um attempting to take my own life and um coming very close to that. So yeah yeah.
0: yeah. Well there was another question I was going to ask you, which is which is mental health. So yeah. you said you're in therapy and yeah. often when we have mental health problems like love and closeness and vulnerability are really tough. Yeah. I just aren't very good at doing those really close relationships. Um
2: I don't know, I just really, really struggle with with how to conduct a close, intimate yep. relationship that's being fair to me and fair to the other person. And you know, and that's where my mental health is you know it manifests there it's um and becomes really unhealthy
0: i think also with close relationships you have less room to i don't know to to breathe like for me when my mental health is bad i often like to sort of shut myself in a room and i can have bad mental health in that in my bedroom you know and i can just express it and i can draw it and things don't have to make sense and the lines don't all have to um, meet up or anything but if there's somebody else in that room depending on me i don't like because because with the room thing i can then go okay when i'm ready i can leave the room be, be in a space where I'm, I'm i'm less less likely to damage people and, and, mm. and get everything together and, and and wait till i'm in a better space and then do that sort of dose management on relationships with people whereas if there's somebody in that room with me they see all the awful stuff yeah and yeah. it can be really difficult to manage and explain and mm. So, you know, I've had a lot of trauma in my life and um,
2: that I have a lot of flashbacks, a very yep. debilitating um, yep. Yep. flashbacks, a lot of suicide ideation and a lot of I'm not good enough and I'm unworthy. And I think, you know, one of the things I've learnt, the things you don't like in yourself mm-hmm. are the things that you don't like in other people yep. and I think that, you know... Um, I would I would pick up on that and and complain about that and, and and push you know other people to really become their best selves and and forget about me within that you know yeah
0: wow I'm just trying to sort that out in my head so the things you don't like about you are the same things you don't like about other people yeah you know um, yeah. and
2: it's 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 recognizing that within myself that yeah. you know I oh, I don't like it when you behave like that because that's something I've recognized in within me that well, I was. something been...
0: I haven't recognized half the time. If I'm really acting yeah, up about yeah. someone else's behavior, it's something I do all yeah. The time. Yeah.
2: And you know, I I was big do a lot of black and white. You you're either really great or yep. you're really not great. None of this in the middle stuff like the you mm. know Yeah. So and that's hard, you know. Um and a lot of push pull no, I don't want you near me. Yep. Yes, I do. Yep. But they're not communicating that. Please go away. I'm lonely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I think, um, you know, I love people and I love being around people and um, I'm an extrovert and I'm crazy and I, I try to be funny at everyone's expense, you know. So loneliness is, is a big fear for me. And so when that comes on the table as being taken away, you know, someone's going to leave my life Mm -hmm. life becomes unmanageable for me
0: yeah right so we have a strategy with um with mental health stuff um we try not to sort of wallow in it too much on the radio because there is such a thing as vicarious trauma when we talk about really Mm. scary things it can pull listeners with us so but we i mean if we're talking about drug and alcohol recovery honestly we often do need to to bring up that this is part of the problem. And if we pretended it wasn't part of the problem, I think we would be painting a really um, skewed picture. Um, so we do we do mention mental health problems, but we also back that up by saying... Um, so we, we just discussed suicidal ideation and a whole lot of other really icky subjects. And uh, um, so afterwards we do an announcement and say, if you're listening and this is a struggle for you or you suddenly are feeling bad and you weren't feeling bad a minute ago... Um, It can be a really good idea to try and pull out of that. Um, And you can ring Lifeline, which is 131114. Um, And there are a whole lot of websites which give a lot of good mental health information as well. Um, So, yeah, so if you're struggling, please don't sit with it. Having said that, um, Rishi, you're looking so much better than you were. So obviously you're doing a lot of really good hard work to Uh, get better. Yeah. What have you been doing?
2: Uh, So I exercise a lot. Yep. I, I walk a lot. Yep. Um. I surround myself by people that are that are strong and and offer positive, you know, reinforcement and and affirmations to me. And and look, I laugh a lot, you know. Yep. Um. I lost that for a, a while, and and that's when I knew that I wasn't okay, you know. Um. But now I just laugh, and you know, I I, I do I, I do a lot of things. I do, you know, I try to adventure, you know, go and make anything I do an adventure now and and spend time with um lots of different people and 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 you know what I what I do now is that I try to help people that are that are in my position as well you know
0: that's interesting because all the things you're talking about are really quite challenging open-hearted things you're, you're talking about getting out and meeting people and you know going out and doing exercise and if, if you're in that sort of wounded space like ah, I need to warm myself off from the world what you're doing is kind of the opposite of that.
2: Yeah and, and that's what I found had to work for me but I am a people person so yeah. you know um, being alone and isolated in my room in my bed um, was not serving anyone any purpose you know yeah. um so i just went i just got to get out get amongst it and um surround myself around beautiful people and and um in recovery there is a minefield of the most amazing people that i've ever met in my life um you know characters from all walks of life um that have one thing in common
0: mm-hmm.
2: um which is addictive you know behaviors and um I've learnt so much about myself and others, and yeah. You also work in a rehab, don't you? Yeah, I
0: do. So yeah. you're around a lot of people getting well, or yeah, trying to. Yeah,
2: yeah, trying to get well, and um, and just cheering them on, you know, and and that's what that's what it's about for me, you know, getting wellness and um, and and being the best you you can be, and doing the next right thing.
0: Right. I'm going to move to you, Annie, now. Hello. Hi. Annie, you get your gun. Um, Annie, you get your thoughts, because I'm going to ask you some questions. So <laughs> I was going to ask you a little bit of, uh, a little bit more about drug replacement, because while you're like, I don't know anything about drug replacement, I only just started, it's like you're the only person with any experience we've had on the show. Yeah. But the other thing was um, – I never ask people two questions at the same time, but I'm going to do it now, Um, which is drug replacement. But also we've just heard heard Rishi talk a heap about the gifts of getting well, Um, including mental health, getting a son back, winning jobs, looking as happy as she's looking at the moment. Um, What are the gifts for you and what do you think the gifts might be if you keep getting well?
3: I guess it's really early days for me Mm. again. So, look, I have to deliberately pay attention to the gifts at this stage. They are there. I'm just not great at noticing them. Sometimes the way I have to see it is kind of just reminding myself where I was. So, you know, just the other day I realised it was, you know, six months ago that I actually put myself into yet another rehabilitation facility. And I guess because I've been on drug replacement, I haven't really been counting the days. And it was quite shocking to me that it was six months ago and I pictured that night before rehab, and where I was, and who I was with, and what sort of okay. Where awful... were you? Who were you with, and how bad was it? Um, well, oh, look, I was in a little single room in a in a house that I was very close to being evicted from. I was I was there with a, a partner, a pretty abusive partner who um, simply wouldn't leave, and um, so I, I was effectively trapped in in my own room and um, couldn't leave. And yeah, look. <laughs> That's the kind of situation I've often ended up in in my many years of using, and I just could picture myself sort of sitting on the floor, stuck in this room, waiting for the next day to just get to rehab to get away. Oh
0: my goodness!
3: No food, no money, no car—you know the works—and yeah, I guess it was a kind of a shocking realization, and and a, a good one at that, like a pleasant surprise to go. Sometimes the gifts of recovery for me are simply, you know, the removal of that stuff. The fact that I feel safe. I now live in a safe place. Um, that guy's I'm, gone, isn't he? Yes. It's one of the one of the reasons I, I moved into state in my recovery and one of the reasons I believe it's been mostly beneficial for me to be on this drug replacement. I was neither physically nor mentally capable Of moving away moving interstate from New South Wales and Queensland both of them I needed to get away from quickly and safely and I wasn't capable of doing it which is why I think that the primary reason for me being put on this drug replacement in the first place Mm. so on the days where it's just really giving me the irritants and I think oh I just wish I was clean Mm -hmm. I have to remind myself of that and, and think no I wouldn't I'm not sure that I'd be here and I'd be safe if I didn't. So, yeah.
0: So what's um, what? I'm just like, so is is there a plan to sort of, when you're feeling ready, scale down off the drug replacement? And is it the thing that takes nine months or two weeks or you know? And and is there like a lot of support for that? Like, what's what's the whole picture?
3: Yeah, I, I wish I knew more. I mean, <laughs> I'd like yep. to say that I know more. I I certainly speak to my psychiatrist about it and um. I've let him know that it's kind of gone on a bit longer than I I thought it might and I I'm yeah. wanting to know what's happening next. Uh but I guess his his idea is that he just wants to make sure my other mental health issues are really stabilized before I start reducing off the replacement, uh, which I can really appreciate.
0: So. Oh, we've so seen that before in NA. Yeah. 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 yeah we've had people. Yeah, heroin people. People on heroin, and they're. Yeah. They're on drug replacement, and they, uh, they, you know, they're twelve stepping away. They do all the steps, do all this work, come off drug replacement, and then do it all again. Yeah. You know, with the different head.
3: Yes. And I, watching
0: people do that, I was like, that's just so much work. It, it does. It feels like a lot of work. But how much are you willing to pay to get well um, of your own energy?
3: Well, I'm I'm not known for having a lot of energy and loving a bit of hard work, really. So, look, I think doing it this way is certainly taking longer. I feel like it, it's very different recovery picture for yep. me than it has been in the past. I think it'll be slower. It yep. will take longer. But I think I might have a bit more of a chance this time than I have in the past. So I hope you do. Yeah. Look, but you're here today. I'm here today. And you're well today. Yeah. And...
0: You're broadcasting a relatively unique experience today yeah. to at least me who hasn't heard of this before. So you're a trained singer. Uh,
3: yes. I, I don't believe we agreed to discuss this before. I apologise profusely. Oh, I'm kidding, I'm
0: kidding. No, go on. No, I just was like, hmm, um, we're sharing a lot about like quite sort of medical stuff um, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, hmm, we don't quite know who Annie is. Mm-hmm. And one of the things about you – um, I was just like, there's a whole lot of unexpected things about you, as there are with most humans, because humans are weird little creatures. Yeah. And so I was just like, let's throw in something that's a bit uh, a bit of a personal thing. Sure. Are you okay to talk
3: about it? Yeah, absolutely.
0: So I guess part of what I always like to do is try to break stereotypes. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stereotypes around ice are walking disaster in the gutter. And mm-hmm. one thing that's not in the stereotype is trained singer. Sure. <laughs> so, so I was sort of like... Sure. Um, hi, listeners. This is a person that really just doesn't fit in, in a lot of people's preconceived ideas at all.
3: Yeah, I think I think you're right. It's funny that quite often people have not quite understood or believed that I'm an addict and um, it goes to show just how strong those stereotypes are. Yeah. Yeah, look, I, I am a trained singer. I have sung since I was a little girl and followed it up after secondary school and, Look, I, I've always had a great deal of performance anxiety Yeah. and, you know, that was simply another reason to use, really. Yeah, um, calm you down. Yeah, even using eventually just, it didn't, it wasn't enough to, to pass those problems. So, um, look, I ended up singing for children yep. and teaching kids to sing and play guitar, play piano. Yep. And I guess that was how I still sort of stayed in the music field but didn't have to be out there performing. Yeah,
0: because I've watched you sing and your eyes light up. I'm not about to ask you to sing. But uh, I was just like, is this one of the things that gives you joy and is this the one, one of the things that helps you to recover?
3: I think it could be. Mm. I think my issue is cutting through the belief that I need drugs and alcohol to perform. Yes. And I'm working on that. I really am, slowly but surely sort of trying to chip away at that. And it's even after um, a 12-step meeting once a week, there happens to be a piano in this church hall. And once there's only sort of a couple of people left, I'll just play a song, Excellent. and um, sort of slowly trying to chip away at that belief. Mm-hmm. And I am frightened that perhaps once I'm clean entirely, that I might not want to do that anymore. But oh, we'll... that's the
0: fear of every museo that yeah. ever gets clean and sober. The muse will leave me yeah. all the time. Doesn't leave you. But um, we couldn't break the anonymity of all the many people who keep performing and, in fact, perform better mm. when they're not off chops all the time. Yeah.
3: Yep. We'll soon, soon see.
0: We'll soon see. And the other thing is what I like is that um, Risha was saying before about um, breaking down the, the black and whiteness of using, and this is such a nice example, which is I have performance anxiety and, and perform, and it was a big trigger for me and it was a big trigger for my using. So instead of going I must either not perform or do big performances and struggle with that, it's like you've found an in-between space of I wait till not many people are there and there's an opportunistic piano and I sing a song. Like, I don't try to do the big performance at Carnegie Hall.
3: Yeah, and I feel like that's kind of indicative of this whole recovery for me. You know, a lot of my attempts in the past have been almost always through a a facility of some sort, be it detox or rehab, and they're pretty tough. They're all about change, everything, and even though I had my reservations about doing recovery, I always have. I did everything that they said. and I really did do it their way. I didn't challenge anything. I did exactly what I was told and I changed everything. And I'm actually thinking, you know, how many times am I going to do that before I go, maybe that way is not working for me. So even the fact that having returned to Melbourne, I haven't gone into another facility, the way I'm tackling, you know, the idea of performing again, Mm -hmm. the drug replacement, everything is slower. Good I think for someone that has real fear about recovery, I think perhaps that's actually the better way to do it for me. Yeah, because it's at your own pace and you don't have to
0: confront everything. As long yeah, as you're yeah. safe, yeah, you yep. can take your time. Yeah, I reckon. That's like my two bob's worth, and I've just realised I just gave advice, and I try not to. It's
3: really hard. It's good advice though. I'll take it. Thanks, dude. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So I was also going to ask you guys a little bit, and I was going to go back to Bill in a minute, but I was going to ask you guys a little bit. um, So I've been clean and sober for a few years now, and uh, once you have moved away from a certain behavior, you're often the most judgmental person in the world about other people doing that behavior. Mm -hmm. So one thing I noticed, and it's interesting to watch what you're judging and go, hmm, could it be, Jude, that you're looking in a mirror? And that's always the most hard thought. Like, no, I'm not looking in a mirror. I just think they suck and I'm fine. So one thing I did was live in St Kilda for a year and a half. And I always caught the 9:96 tram. And there was always someone heroin affected on the tram. And they were always having a massive... There were probably many people, many of whom weren't doing this behaviour. But there was always someone having a big old drama on the tram. Whether they were screaming into their phone or calling their calling their partner or whatnot in loud volume or whether they're trying to sell you some stolen stuff there was just always one right and I would sit there going why is there always drama and then, yeah, eventually I saw myself doing it and went, you remember when you were drinking and you used to be the bearer of drama and you go around to your mate's place and they'd be like, hey, I love you coming around because, you know, I'm a mom and I'm home all the time and you bring all this drama it's all these insoluble problems and you talk on and on about how everything doesn't work and everything's lined up against you and nothing's ever going to happen. So it's just going to get you guys' opinion, like, was there a lot of drama for you and like what's what is with addicts and drama and alcoholics and drama? Like, because I was a one-person drama manufacturing sort of factory. I'm with you, Jude. I'm one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I know you are.
2: <laughs> uh, look, drama drama does still surround my life. Um, you know, um, I, I attract drama. That's the hard one to break. i created you know? some
0: pretty hardcore drama while clean and sober. Yeah. The drugs and alcohol were just yeah. an excuse, really. Yeah.
2: I guess for me what I'm doing is um, I'm really working on me and it's it's about taking one step and one challenge at a time, you know, like for
3: me... I'm loving
0: that you're giving me the least dramatic possible answer. You know, like, like I really... You know what, I stop and I try and think
2: about what I want to say now... (laughs) <laughs> I try not to get really heightened and really crazy. But, you know, I, I guess the the drama manifests for me in, in, you know, I'm really manic. I'm really either really crazy or really down or there's, again, yep. not a lot of middle ground. I try and just have fun when I'm in that manic stage, you know, and just laugh and be silly and I find so that. So you
0: don't have a drama about being in a. In a heightened state, I like it. I try not to.
2: Yeah, I, I do at times, um, you know. But when I do that, I try and ground myself, and that will be a phone call. So I, I had a drama yesterday, and, and I, and I broke down and I cried and I had an anxiety attack. I rang my sister and she just said, "Get yourself somewhere where you need to go, and go and do some yoga and and drink some water. You know, just wow, just Strategies. some of the the, bang, bang, the bang. simple things, Sorted. you
0: know. And how long did it take to come out of that? 15 minutes you know it's a it's a lot quicker
2: yeah and I guess for me now I do not let the drama that I have in my life allow me to think that the option for that is to use yep yeah using is never gonna be a good option because using heightens all that so much more you know I do a lot of consequential thinking you know if I do this what could happen? You know, and, and I think that I didn't do that when I was using. I'm, I'm a really impulsive person, you know, and, and I really struggle because I don't.
0: I used to go out to the shop to get a Snickers bar and then I'd come back three days later.
2: Yeah, mm. yeah, crazy stuff. I know? do that when I'm not
0: drunk. Yeah, crazy. Yeah.
2: So I just don't, you know, I don't think before I speak at times. So I'm really, I'm trying to slow that side of me down and, and, and try and do that. And I get it wrong I've got it wrong in the last couple of days. I, I go off on a tangent and I, and I lose myself in that. But, yeah, look, I'm, I'm just trying to do what I can to,
0: to not be insanely crazy 24-7. I really like that. That's the best answer. That's a much better answer than I could have ever hoped for. Thank you. Right, well, I'm going to jump to a song and we'll come back and um, break a bit of that apart.
4: I'll be here She may disappear In a little while Sister moon Sister girl And given birth Mother nature Mother of pearl And mother earth Sweet mother, Earth. so my brother, don't hurt her anymore. She's got her law and you've got yours.
2: Catch the podcast via the 3CR website or on your favorite podcast app or listen live each Monday at midday. Call us on 9419
0: 8377 or visit 3cr.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent. You're with The Living Free Show. We're talking about drug and alcohol addiction recovery and families and friends and enabling. Ooh. Annie, your relationship with drama or do you have any reason why drama goes so
3: hand-in-hand hand with addiction? Or did it go hand-in-hand hand with addiction for you? Yeah, look, it certainly did. Uh, I'm I'm sitting here reflecting, trying to work out how much of that I caused, and I'm not sure how much of it was actually caused by me. I, I feel like what comes as drama for me, my first thought is trauma, and the kind of um, dramatic, unsafe places and people and situations you end up in mm. due to using. And that's that like, was the yeah, first thing that came risk to mind taking, for me. And then mm-hmm. the risks
0: have consequences, and then you're embroiled in a in a mesh of drama. Yeah, yeah. I used yeah. to be. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and the fear. I think that's that's what I think of. I don't know why, but they were the thoughts that came back to me when when you mentioned drama.
0: Yeah, I like it. And Bill, I was going to ask for your insight in this because I think there is a real tendency like I've had the great privilege of listening to you run a number of, of the, this show now with family, mm. other families and friends and Al-Anon members. And um, one thing that you talk about is just not allowing that to proliferate. And so there can be this great drama of like, well, I'm going to drink. No, you're not. I might come home late. Oh, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or I'll heat up – I'll keep your dinner in the oven and heat it up again for you and we'll just do everything for you so that you don't beat us all up. All All of that stuff. And it just – you sort of de There's <laughs> this element that you guys talk about of just stepping away, detached with love, yeah. don't be part of the drama dance.
1: Yeah, it's I, I guess it's detachment really. It's just letting the other person live. But primarily living yourself. That was That's the trouble when once you're obsessed with someone else's behaviour, you change your own behaviour such that you don't live, you live through them. And so everything you do is to try and manipulate them. And so it's, as much as the alcoholic tries to control the family, the family are doing the same thing to the alcoholic, mm-hmm. and so it's always about you know, a tug of war. And you know, step one is dropping the rope. It's just, well, we're not going to do it anymore.
0: How to end a tug of war? You hope you'll win, but in the end, the winning is dropping the rope.
1: Yeah, you win by dropping the rope. So it means that you can just walk away happy and that the other person can't influence anymore. Leave you, you an anymore. alcoholic
0: with two handfuls of rope going, "Ah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I've got no influence." Yes.
0: I, I can't have a drama with one bit of rope. I need someone right. pulling yeah, the other it, end. It,
1: it, yeah.
0: I end up just fighting myself.
1: Yeah. Alcoholism can't exist in isolation. It's got to have somebody else involved. And it's I'm sure it's the same with with drug addiction too. You mm. you can't it's it's this interplay, this relationship breakdown. And And the other thing is, in the alcoholic situation, somebody says something, but you don't listen to what they say, you listen to what they said five years ago,
0: yeah.
1: and the fact that they never do that, they say it, but they never do it. And so you know you're not listening to them now, you've just got all this history, and it's just such a you know such a toxic, Situation. Well,
0: that's that's part of the sort of the way you start a dysfunctional relationship is you install the buttons and then you you have that button there to push whenever you to want. To that's right, yeah. Yeah, and you don't yeah. even ever have to – it can get more and more subtle, but the effect is still really big.
1: Yeah. So as, as families, you know, it's – what I try and do in, in the situation is not to make the situation worse. And that was what I did as a child, you know, reacting. I'd always make the situation worse because, you know, I was just over it. And I, I learned that that's my responsibility. I can pull back and just go, well, I won't make it any worse. I won't judge you for your behavior. I'll respect you as a person. You know, if you if you had any other illness, cancer, diabetes, I wouldn't be telling you what to do or how to, how to live your life. So why am I so important that I think I know what's right for you if you have a problem that you're struggling with? See, I always yeah. think
0: that's funny because I've got like a chronic health condition called psoriasis, which is like lumpy red stuff on your skin. And I always love it when al on people go, if you had any other disease, I wouldn't tell you how to manage it. And I'm like, everybody always tells me how to manage it. If I had a dollar for everyone who came up with some crackpot remedy, I'd have probably 20 bucks. But yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's it's really letting the respecting the alcoholic's right or the drug addict's right to be where they are right now yep. and to try and help them if they ask for help. If they don't ask for help, there's nothing we can do.
0: I was going to ask you going from the personal to the more broad scale. So people come to me a fair bit and with particularly their kids, particularly on ice, going, who do I talk to and what do I do? And there are more and more parent groups banding together and families and friends. Yeah, and I think you asked me, you know, is there anywhere where parents and families and friends of ice addicts can go? And I was like, I was going to ask you. um, I think there is a need. What do you reckon?
1: Uh, I think absolutely because it's stopping trapping the alcoholic or the addict in that using. Mm. Once the family can separate, then the alcoholic's got to face up to their issues. Mm. And they, you know, it's either death or insanity. They're They're the two outcomes of alcoholism. And the family is just... Trapping people in that situation. The more you coddle them, the more you support them, the more you've helped them, you know pay the rent. Look after all the stuff that messes up the smash cars, you're only prolonging it. And what you know I like to take the long view in recovery, and that is when you look back you know five, ten, twenty years, and you can see the improvement that's occurred because you've done something. I think that's the that's the powerful thing to say to people not don't look backwards on what's happened before. But once you start recovery and you start doing something, look back on the improvement and the benefits because you don't become a different person. You just become a bit more tolerant, a bit more relaxed and a bit easier going to let other people be themselves. And as we can see, you know, everybody's different. Everybody's unique and everybody can have a life if they want it. But we can't force them to. We can't yeah. force them to do that.
0: But it can happen. Yeah. Risha, I was just going to ask you: Has your relationship with your family improved? I mean, I know you got your son back, so obviously. Yeah. That's... Look, um, my
2: um family sort of just had to just walk away. Yeah. Yeah. Because I had to do it for myself, you know. Um. So I, I did the whole. I'll, I'll, I'll get. I'll get clean for my son. I'll get clean for my partner no 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 that doesn't work you got to get clean for you you know and you got to start being accountable for your behaviors and and the things that you've done and 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 I still do it I still fall into it and it's taken me a long time but really stop that it's your fault I'm doing this so if you hadn't done this I wouldn't be doing this you know it was my choice to have a relapse I, I made that choice and um now I need to make the choice to get back up again, you know, and dust myself off.
0: Today you're doing so well.
2: Yeah, I am, and I'm 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 really proud of my journey and and how far I've come. Yeah. You know, I I look forward to each day in recovery. You know. Yeah. How long
0: have you been clean?
2: No, I, I'm not going to disclose <laughs> how long how long that is, but um, not that long. Because that's. I suppose I've, I've battled with um, addiction on and off for 20 years, you know, since I was 15, and um, I finally feel like I've got it. I know where I want to be, and I'll fight for it. You know, I, was, I was, at a, was at a big concert, and I was able to look around and, and, and see other people suffering and just going, high-fiving my mates, going,
0: yay, to being clean and sober. You know? Oh, yeah. I do so many festivals. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, for, for me, it's strongest when I wake up in the morning. Yeah. You know, and I yeah. walk 500 metres to the loo and uh, pass a whole lot of people who are really struggling and really in that space. Like, you can take drugs and feel terrible the next day and it's part of a completely fine lifestyle like a number of my mates they have jobs they have kids they have cars now and again they go they get wasted they they recover and in that morning they're feeling terrible and it's not that that i'm really talking about it's the people waking up with the expression on their face that i used to have oh my god i'm here again yeah i don't know how i I wasn't planning to be here again i don't know how to get out of this i've run out of options and i look at that and just go mate you know yeah. and but also go wow it's it's so amazing not to be there i never thought i would not be there yeah um, i never saw myself as somebody who would um get clean and sober and and stay that that way for any length of time
2: yeah i i guess this time around i didn't think i i would you know i always thought i'd do something Yeah, I'd I'd always use something, you know, and I I, I saw some of my using as not being problematic. Like, I didn't see my drinking as being problematic. I now see it as being a massive problem, you know, and yeah, I have no plan to be there again. Let's
0: put it that way. I like it. So, just before we, we go out, Annie, I don't know if you wanted to say anything about family relationships.
3: Um. Yeah, look, or I could, friends' relationships Sure, or no, relationships. I can I can certainly speak of how family has affected my recovery and my using. I suppose I know enabling's been mentioned, and it it brought to mind a really interesting conversation I'd had with one of my brother in laws who had um you know learnt a long time ago what enabling meant, and my family certainly cut me off in terms of you know helping me financially and stuff a long time ago. But I've always been given a safe place to stay and I often wouldn't be there anyway, but mm. that was always offered. And my brother-in-law and sister really questioned whether that was enabling in itself and we kind of posed the question, like, where would I be if they hadn't done that? And it's it's true. It's possible I might have hit rock bottom sooner. I might have reached out for help sooner. Can't know. But we can't you, know, yeah. you know, and, you know, it could well have gone so much more terribly. So, the fact is you're well and you know, safe today. Yeah, yeah, and the last thing I would want is for them to have any regret about yeah. you know, all their attempts over the years to help me. I mean, they're just um, incredibly supportive. So I've been really lucky. Having said that, quite often my attempts at recovery have been because I don't want to hurt my family anymore. And an issue for me is really getting in touch with why I personally might actually want recovery like it only takes a bad day for me to suddenly lose track of that entirely and suddenly feel like the only reason I have not to use is them Mm -hmm. which doesn't work for me Mm -hmm. I mean I think that's been a large part of why my attempts to date haven't been terribly successful so I need to really um hone in on that what what's in it for me why I might actually choose to do that
0: thank you we're nearly out of time Rishi, Annie and Bill, I'd just like to say thanks very much for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Okay, and we'll see you again next week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast
3: produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.